fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Look at him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. So fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It is the 30-something movie podcast. It's our first episode after episode number 500. So for those of you on the back half of 1,000, welcome. With me welcome. here this evening, I've got most of the crew. Patrick. Patrick is here. How are you doing? Great. Hi, everybody. Dennis. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Dennis? Good. Happy to be alive. I, I'm. We're happy you're alive, too. We missed you. We we really a little while back when we were doing the grumpy old man episode. We really missed know, your perspective. Yeah, we really wanted your perspective on that. We felt like we could have learned. Well, that. I know what you're doing there, but yeah, I really missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I get your joke, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a week, that is humor. We got a week that is humor. Uh, that and is Bo, humor. I recognize it. That is that is humor. I recognize that. Bo, how are you doing? I am well, gentlemen. It, is that you, you have a cat sitting on your face? I do. I do. <laughs> he is. Oh, he has decided to not leave me alone since I got home today. Okay. Oh, that's oh. always nice when they show up there. That's nice. Usually when He's I get home, clean. usually when I get home, all the all the children except for the furry one just look at me and just go, "Oh, it's you." Yeah, he's he's very clingy today. Mom is out drinking, so he's oh. <laughs> at a loss. There we go. That's all right. He can be an honorary member of the pod. Mm -hmm. yeah. He watched the movie with me, so okay. All right. Well, I, given the chance, he probably might eat a human too. Oh, he said without a doubt. Yeah. If someone were to be dead and it was the only source of food, he would start with the eyeballs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that what she said, buddy? <laughs> Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, we are starting off the month of December, and this one, the first several episodes, I just I'll share that by the time it typically gets to December, I'm I'm stretching a bit when it comes to what our themes are going to be for the month. But this one, I, I was a little happy with this one. We're calling this, this one felt inspired, folks. I, Don't let him fool you. I know he was very proud of this. I was I was pretty happy about this one. This is December is what we're calling Good Eating Month. Because three of our movies are Alive, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and Tombstone. So, You know what would have been a great way to round this out from last year? Yeah. Eating Raul. Yes. Yeah, Eating Raul would have been a good one to have here. Can we go back a couple of weeks and just talk about the cannolis again? We could. We could. 
leave the gun, take the cannoli. Did you, so I, Bo, you probably don't know this, and, and Dennis, I'm not sure that you were around for this either. I did actually deliver Tony cannolis to Pat and Jeff. And so Pat? How, Pat, were they good? Oh, oh, they were delicious. Excellent. They were what delicious. Happen? I didn't get those. Yeah, you, you weren't on the podcast. I was on a podcast. We talked about it. Maybe not the eating room one, but that was like that was the Godfather from like a year ago. Yeah. So why weren't there any for the Godfather? I I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll have to do it another time. Probably because all of us were on that podcast for the Godfather, and somebody just limited budget. That's true. That's also true. I'll bring I'll bring you a cannoli sometime. How's that? More Patreon subscribers, more cannoli. That's, That's really all it comes down to. That's true. If we get more Patreons, there's more cannolis for everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, this one is Alive. We are talking the 1993 survival movie Alive. Uh, this is the spoiler alert you get. We're going to be talking. If we mention a movie and you don't want to hear about it, just skip ahead maybe a couple of times, and we should be done at that point. So this is fair warning there. Make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could join us over there on Patreon, as we just mentioned. Bunch of bonus content over there, bonus episodes a plenty for our Patreon co-executive producers. So thank you so much for all of those that have been helping support the show over there. All right. Before we get going with the rest of this episode, even though episode 500 was our first episode of the month, we did not do our typical this month in 93 segment there. So let's hop in the DeLorean real quick. And for this one, we'll start off with this month, December, 1993. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious. All right. So let's see. Top news I've got here for this month in '93 the North American Free Trade Agreement was ratified in December of 1993. So that was a big. <laughs> Big deal uh, in December of 93. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave one of these till the very end because I'd, I'd have some follow-up questions with it. But so December 15th, we'll jump back in time here in a moment. December 15th, John Williams makes his final appearance as the conductor of the Boston Pops. Oh, jeez. And, and the one I had questions about because this dominated my little young life at the time that it came out. On December 10th, the pioneering first-person shooter video game Doom was released. Did any of you gentlemen play Doom? I have, oh, but course. not regularly. I, I remember when it okay. came out, though. Doom was like the, the next evolution up from Wolfenstein 3D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that was the Wolfenstein 3D was the gateway drug, and then Doom was the next one. And then Doom was exciting because I that was the first video game that I ever had where you could you could mod the players. And so okay. I remember that I replaced what did I have? I replaced some of the demons in Doom with Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Really? Yes. <laughs> it was lots and lots of fun. I remember playing Doom. That was a good time. Yeah. I remember though there was a Chex serial game that you could get with 12 proofs of purchase and yeah. whatever. And it was, it was called checks quest. And basically it was doom, but like it was, it was doom, but your character was like, like this superhero in this blue outfit with like a piece of checks cereal for armor. 
And then he would run around and try to take out the Soggies, and the Soggies were the demons. But it was almost identical to Doom. Okay. That one I did not not, Yeah, I was just going to say that was the one thing that, and it always made me laugh, oh my gosh, there's a serial first-person shooter. Now, I don't know if it was shot for shot the same as, as, as Doom, but I remember that was one of the, for some reason that sticks in my mind, and that was, you know, you could get a video game of Czech's serial shooting up soggies. Well, they had, I mean, the 80s and 90s were, were prime time for video game, for food-related video games, because, I don't know, did you guys ever play the Domino's Pizza Avoid the Noid game for the Nintendo? Avoid the Noid. Yep. I remember the saying. Yeah, I don't remember the game. My God. Yeah, I think the game was called Avoid the Noid. Yeah, Avoid that was, noid. in fact, the, the, noid. the sacrilege was, in our house, Friday night was pizza night. It was also because the pizza place was right next to the Blockbuster video, we would go order mm-hmm. our pizza, which here's where the irony comes in. We'd go order our pizza, which was Little Caesars. Then we'd mm-hmm. walk across. We'd walk next door to the Domino or to the uh, the be- Best Buy. Domino. Let's just list all the places that are not giving us corporate sponsorship. Okay. To the Blockbuster, <laughs> we go to the Blockbuster, and I remember every Friday night we'd probably rent. I don't know. We'd rent a movie, maybe a couple of movies, and then my dad would let us rent a couple of video games. And, okay. and I do remember kind of the irony of we're bringing home Little Caesars Pizza, but I'm also renting the Domino's Pizza video game to play on the. So, yes, just corporate sponsorship my entire childhood, I guess. Yep. Yep. It's I, but I didn't let it affect me. I mean, it was the choice of a new generation and it was my uh-huh. choice. So I don't let that kind of thing control my fate. There's no mystical nonsense that controls my fate. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. So yeah, Doom. Yeah, no, no PlayStation games for we. We stopped at I think Atari. That was it. And then at this point, I'm you know as you've most notably note, I'm a little bit older than you at this point. Yeah. So it was college baseball and getting turned down by women. Okay. All right. Mm. I never played those Nintendo games. I don't know what those are. <laughs> so Nintendo, I may have heard. I heard. I obviously know the phrase, the Noid phrase, but I don't remember playing any of those games. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, Moses and the Nord didn't know each other either, so. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. There's a couple of notable deaths in December of 93. On December 4th, musician, composer, and band leader Frank Zappa died on December 4th, 1993. Um, anytime we mention Frank Zappa, I like to take a moment and list the names of his children because I think they're fun. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? I think my favorite is probably... I think it's probably Moon Unit Zappa. I like Dweezil. Dweezil I'm partial fun. to Dweezil. Yeah. yeah. I'm partial to Dweezil too. Yeah. I yeah. like Dweezil. Yeah. What was, did Dweezil have a middle name? Uh, or was it just... one? <laughs> Dweezil. Nuts. Oh, so, well, come on. So no, Dweezil was yeah. not even, Dweezil was not even his real name. Well, of course not. Well, wasn't, well, hold on. Was Moon Unit Zappa, was that her real name? Yeah, that was a well, real name. with the Zappas, reality was a well, I know. construct, my friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so apparently, well, Dweezil Zappa's real name is Ian Donald Calvin Euclid Zappa. Didn't Dweezil... He was, like, fairly... Wasn't Dweezil the one that had, like... I don't know if he had a show or if he was on shows. Like, I remember Dweezil being... I thought, I'm pretty sure I know that. Oh, yeah, he did stuff, for he sure. He did stuff. Like, was I it, don't know... Yeah, wasn't he on MTV? Oh. 
MTV, okay. Yeah. Was that it? Sure. Yeah, I think he was a VJ on MTV. Yeah. Because I remember seeing him, and he was pretty funny, too. Yeah. And I think that's why he's the one that sticks in my head, because I oh. saw him more than the rest. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, no, anytime, anytime we, we have a moment to re- read off the names of some of the Zappa children, I, I enjoy doing that. So, thank you for indulging me. The other death that we had was December 6, 1993, Don Amici, the American actor known for his roles in Cocoon and Trading Places, among many others, passed away on December 6th. Let's see, top books, we had Slow Waltz in Cedar Bend by Robert James Waller, who I think basically between that and Bridges of Madison County, he kind of just ruled 1993 with an iron fist. Top movies, Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams. Mrs. Doubtfire, let's see, was the first two weeks of December. Wayne's World 2 was the third weekend, and the fourth weekend was Grumpy Old Men and Tombstone were both popular during the fourth weekend in December there. All of which I believe we have discussed or will soon discuss. We, yeah. Yes, we have, or, or soon will with Tombstone. That's just in a couple of weeks. Let's see, and then top songs. We start off the month with I Do Anything for Love But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. Highly appropriate. Mr. Loaf to you. Mr. Loaf, highly appropriate that we mentioned him during this episode, especially. And then Mm. the the song again by Janet Jackson. And then for a couple weeks at the end of the year, Hero by Mariah Carey was the top song. All right. That does it for 93. Let's go ahead and head on into this movie. So we typically break up, if you haven't joined us before, we break up our episodes into giving you some of the background information on it. We do a quick major moments walkthrough of the plot. And then after that, we go into our deeper thoughts and either make up stuff or discuss how we feel about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just, given this one in particular, we'll just, I want to give you guys time to just kind of digest some of your thoughts here. Um, oh, geez. Here yeah. we go. So, here we go. I mean, I want to make sure that this is a quality episode. I mean, it's, this is, this is one of those movies that has really got some teeth and uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, your anyway. jokes bite. Thank you. Thank you. That's appropriate. I, mean, I was trying to figure out what a pair of teeth goes with flesh, and I, I just couldn't come up with one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can, we'll flesh that out as we talk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This one came out on January 15th, 1993, with a rating of R. Apparently, it was going to be PG-13 until you got to the plane crash scene, and they decided that that was enough for it to be rated R. So the plane crash scene the problem right the cannibalism pg-13 just fine cannibalism's fine yeah the plane crash was that was too intense but the eating the human jerky later in the movie totally fine which by the way while we're here did anyone else look at the plane crash and go 90s cinema yeah yep yes like a lot of 90s i I don't want to say i laughed but Mm. Oh, I chuckled a bit. Yeah, yeah, the way when the tail broke off, you were just like, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I chuckled a bit because I, I was kind of in my own head. I was comparing it to the plane crash scene in Fight Club. But yes. It, it was only missing the Wilhelm scream. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, let's see. So, yes, this one was rated R. Runtime was two hours and five minutes, directed by Frank Marshall, who also did Arachnophobia and Congo. Writer was John Patrick Shanley, who did Moonstruck and Doubt. Producers were Kathleen Kennedy and Robert Watts. Kennedy did Jurassic Park and E.T. Watts did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I believe this was the last movie he produced before retiring. 
The composer was James Newton Howard, who did I Am Legend and Unbreakable. Cinematography done by Peter James, who did Black Robe and Driving Miss Daisy. Editor was Michael Kahn and William Goldenberg. Kahn did Jurassic Park and Minority Report. Goldenberg did Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. Production companies were Touchstone and Paramount Pictures. The budget was $32 million. The box office, 82.5. Starring Ethan Hawke as Nando Parado. He was in Before Sunrise and Training Day. Josh Hamilton played Roberto Canessa. He was in The Born Identity and Dark Skies. Uh, real quick note on Josh Hamilton. His part was actually read for by Brad Pitt. But apparently his audition was terrible, so that's why they went with Josh Hamilton. Mm. So... The more you know. Vincent Spano was Antonio Balbi. He was in Rumblefish and Oscar. Bruce Ramsey was Carlos Paez. He was in Hellraiser Bloodline and Behind the Wall. John Haynes Newton was Antonio Vizintin. He was in The Newton Boys and The Christmas Card. David Kriegel played Gustavo Zerbino. He was in Pushington and Minority Report. Kevin Bresnahan was Roy Harley. He was in Winter's Bone and Superbad. Jake Carpenter was Alberto Artuna. He was in Aspen Extreme and The Good Son. And Michael DeLorenzo was Rafael Cano. He was in New York Undercover and A Few Good Men. Jose Zuniga played Fraga. He was in Con Air and Twilight. Ileana Douglas played Liliana Methol. She was in Cape Fear and Goodfellas. And Danny Nucci played Hugo Diaz. He was in The Rock and Titanic. All of those names, super easy for me to pronounce. So a couple little couple little quick trivia things here. So the actual plane crash, this is based on a true story. The plane crash happened on Friday the 13th of October in 1972. Just another sign that you should probably not do anything on Friday the 13th in October, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Here was some interesting stuff I found, actually more recent news on this. A Uruguayan television report in 2005 claimed that an American hiker in the Andes actually stumbled across the wallet of one of the survivors from the plane crash. They found hmm. the wallet, a roll of film, some cash, some ID papers, and a jacket that had been buried the, buried in the snow for over three decades, just a few meters hmm. from the crash site. So it was kind of fun that they were able to find that so many years later. Yeah. Did you see the thing about the road? About the road? No. Some people retraced their steps as they were trying to walk out for help. Okay. And they found the road, and it is a road. Like that whole scene where they go, Oh, yeah. But it might be a road. It might not be a road. It was a road. It was a road. Oh, okay. No, I had not seen that. Yeah, some hikers retraced the steps and. Yeah, it was kind of a cool story. Like, all right, so there was a road, and then you start to think, man, if they'd just gone back to the road. Right. <laughs> One of the other things about this movie, which typically typically kind of rare for a full-length motion picture, is that it was shot in sequence. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, a lot of times when they film movies, they'll film things out of order, and then obviously they'll edit things together, you know, in the in the final edit. But yeah, so that. Uh, that was kind of interesting. They decided to shoot this one in chronological order. And I was just curious. I thought, what movies, what other movies have we talked about or, or that we know of that were shot in chronological order? And actually, there were quite a few and, and quite a few kind of big name movies. E.T. was one of them. E.T. was shot in chronological mm-hmm. order. The Breakfast Club was. American Graffiti, The Shining, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, a, a Beautiful Mind. So... Yeah, I, there's there's a bunch of them. Shawshank Redemption was another one. 
So it always seems like it's it should be kind of a rare thing with how movies typically get made. And but yeah, no, apparently there were there were a bunch that were done that way. Well, most, if you think about it, most of what you listed, there's a a storytelling reason for that. It was probably easier for the actors to get into the right right headspace going in order. Actually, if you read if you read a little about this, when they the scene where they went to eat the human flesh, a few of the actors actually did a fast for two days so they would feel right. the hunger. Yeah. So I think they were definitely, I'm, I'm not going to say they went method or anything, but right. yeah, <laughs> they were trying anyway. Well, and I think sometimes when you film out of order, it's because it might be for budgetary reasons somewhat because you might have different locations and you want to film exactly. everything at that location at one time. So it's less expensive. Whereas a movie like this, you're on the side of a mountain. Yeah. One location. Mm-hmm. You don't five helicopters to get everyone up there every day. Right? I read that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That this was actually filmed in the Canadian Rockies and that it did. Yeah, it took, a? Them, took them a five. A. What's that a boot? Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Here's another kind of fun one. It was director Frank Marshall was actually discussing this film on his car phone and whether or not he was going to make it. And he was cut off in traffic by a truck with a bumper sticker that read rugby players eat their dead. And he felt like, what are the chances of that? That's just insane. Yeah. It's a sign. Mm -hmm. It's a sign. Yeah. So apparently his response was, well, you got to go with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, you do. And it, it's interesting that the history of this movie, the script sat around for so long, and there's a not-so-great version of it floating around from Mexico. Yeah. Survive there was, or something I like that. Wanna say the, yeah, I want to say the script's been around since the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think the script has been around since, like, 81, and it took them yeah. nearly 12 years to get it done. Yeah. All right. Let me give you the synopsis real quick. Then we'll go into our major moments. Then we will go into some deeper thoughts. In a world where survival is everything, Ethan Hawke, Vincent Spano, and Josh Hamilton star in the harrowing true story of courage and endurance. Alive, the gripping tale of a rugby team's fight against all odds, stranded in the Andes after a plane crash. Against the unforgiving elements, they must do the unimaginable to stay alive. Their incredible journey will touch your soul, but it'll eat your whole foot. After 20 years, you analyze a lot. You remember people, heroism, the miracle of the Andes, that's what they called it. To be affronted by solitude without decadence or a single material thing to prostitute it elevates you to a spiritual plane where I felt the presence of God now there's the God they taught me about at school and there is the God that's hidden by what surrounds us in this civilization are we supposed to fly that close to the mountains? That's the God I met on the mountain. Ah! 
All right. All right. So our major moments for this one, 10 major moments, we kind of take the plot and we narrow it down to the 10 biggest moments in the movie. If you haven't seen this recently or you haven't seen it at all, this will kind of give you a, a quick overview of it all. We always recommend that you stop, go see the movie first, and then come on back once you've done that. But if not, let's go ahead and proceed. So the plane crash in the Andes happened on October 13th, 1972. Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 carrying a rugby team with their relatives and friends crashes into a mountain in the Andes due to turbulence and pilot error, leading to the immediate death of several passengers and crew members. Antonio, the team captain, organizes efforts to help the injured once they do crash. Medical students Roberto Canessa and Gustavo Zerbino provide aid. The survivors are facing the, facing the harsh reality of their situation with Nando in a coma for part of this and his sister Susanna severely injured. Uh, the survivors face their first night in the freezing cold using seat covers as blankets, blocking the fuselage opening with luggage. Rationing begins with minimal resources, including chocolates and wine, which just sounds like a Tuesday night to me. Nando regains consciousness and learns about his mother's death. He proposes a daring plan to hike out of the mountains for help, suggesting the controversial idea of also consuming the deceased in order to survive. That is a slightly different take on the book from Beetlejuice. It is the cookbook of the recently deceased. Along the same lines, but slightly different. The survivors are crushed to hear a radio broadcast announcing that the search for them has been called off. Facing starvation, they do make the grim decision to eat the flesh of their deceased friends and relatives. A, a group sets out to find the plane's tail for batteries to power the radio so they can get that back up and running again. When they return without success, there, soon there is an avalanche that strikes, killing eight more of the survivors, including Antonio and Liliana. Then there is a second expedition led by Nando, Canessa, and Tintin. Finds the plane's tail but fails to make the radio operational at that point. The group faces further casualties, underscoring how dire this situation has gotten. Determined to find help, Nando and Canessa embark on a grueling journey through the mountains, eventually sending Tintin back to increase their chances of survival. After a 12-day trek, Nando and Canessa finally find help, leading to the rescue of the remaining survivors by helicopters with an emotional reunion on the mountains. And the film concludes in the present day with Carlitos reflecting on the ordeal and the survivors returning to the crash site to honor those who perished with a memorial cross. Those are the major moments. Before we go into deeper thoughts, anything you feel like I missed? Anything that needs to be point out, pointed out? I, I think you got it all, man. You got it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Some of that was tough to swallow, but I think we'll be okay. All right. We are going to go on to uh, – It's they're just going to keep coming. I really – it's not – I mean, just buckle this up. This is what you signed up for, folks. <laughs> buckle up mm -hmm. because they're going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Hope you get an appetite for these kind of jokes. Uh, ooh, yes. Thank you. Dennis, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I feel like, hey. Dennis, I feel like you and I are on the same page pun-wise. So I, I, I just think it's good that we're providing humor that the audience can really sink their teeth into. Oh, thank you. thank you. Okay. Bo, it's your turn sometime in the next minute or so. Yep. Somebody came to feed. There you go. There you go. Thought he's gonna choke. Yeah. All right, deeper thoughts. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. 
very deep. Thank you. The one thing I thought would be more appropriate than Frank Marshall directing this would have been if Richard Donner would have directed this movie. (laughs) (sighs) Then at the end, when they rap and they have the cast party, is it a Donner party? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Is it? Oh, my goodness. That's just that's gonna live in my little headcanon of of an alternative version of this movie directed by him. Well, my deep thoughts just went out the window. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> all right, deep thoughts. So, first of all, do you like this movie? And when was the first time you remember seeing it? This weekend for me, it had just never been on my list of gotta go see the cannibals. You know. I had read about it. I knew the story. There wasn't really anything dragging me to the to see the movie. Yeah, enjoyed the storytelling. Yeah, I, for me, kind of same thing. It was when this movie came out. I was I was living in England and I was playing rugby on the school rugby team. So I was like, "Oh, a movie about rugby players," and they wait what? <laughs> so that's that was kind of like, so, and that was kind of always the story. Is like the guys on the rugby team would be like. Did you hear about this movie that came out that's supposed to be a true story and they eat they, they eat each other to stay alive? And I'm like, okay. Well, I feel like you've told the story of the movie. I'm not sure I really need to go see it now, but cool. So, yeah, actually kind of same thing to you about I, I felt like at that point I'm like, well, I kind of know the story. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what more I need to know. It's a survival story. They had to eat each other to stay alive and... I'm assuming some of them probably stayed alive. Be- Hence the title, because yeah. Because it's called Alive. Yeah, so. you didn't need Ethan Hawke to tell you that. Right. Which I, I thought it was kind of interesting, the way the way some of you reacted when I told you that we were going to be talking about this movie. I actually have a recording of Dennis reacting to me saying that we were going to be watching this movie tonight. He was really excited about it. It's alive! It's alive! Yeah, he, you got really excited. He's an excitable guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, an excitable just, boy, even. Mm-hmm. I am going to, I'm going to throw in, you say my, I saw this movie <clears throat> for the podcast, so within 24 hours, I had heard about it, and in a way, I mean, to, to not talk about it and mention the cannibalism is akin to burying the lead, but I was kind of surprised with how little a part of that movie the cannibalism actually was. Yeah. I, I, I really, because, and I, and I don't know, is it almost unfortunate that that's the only thing? Oh yeah. That's the cannibal movie. That, that's what I know of alive. Yeah. You know? And, and so it was in a way I'm kind of like, Oh, well I'm, I'm a little underwhelmed. I thought it would be a more prevalent part of the story. And I recently, there's a book called the heart of the ocean which yeah. I think is the story of a Boston whaling ship that got, they're not sure whether it got attacked or it got whatever. One of the whales that it was hunting capsized, I think capsized the ship. And there was a bunch of this crew that ended up in a lifeboat and it resorted to cannibalism. And that was the story. It took place in the 1800s. Um, Chris Hemsworth, or is it Liam Hemsworth? One of the Hemsworths yeah. is in the Chris movie adaptation. What was that? I think it's Chris. Yeah, it was in the movie adaptation, and then the original was the inspiration for Moby Dick. And anyways, long story short, they, they cover cannibalism 
heavily in the book uh, that I read about it. And it talks about what these guys did. And that had a, that was a much more prevalent part of the story. I mean, they talked about like the psychological effects that broke down what happened when they came back and had to face the relatives of the people that they ate. And I, and so I kind of thought, and again, this, this was all told within the context of this fate, fated voyage of the, this Boston whaling vessel. And I kind of thought that that would be like this with the movie. So when I saw it, and it was it was kind of like, wow, that that was it. I mean, yeah, I mean, again, you, you do have to mention it, and that is a big thing. But I I almost feel like every it's like I fixated on that. That's what I associated with this movie. But the whole aspect of it being a survival tale and how it came down and that, you know, how they were rescued and none of that really I didn't even process that. So. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, I, I knew of this as, oh, yeah, that's the rugby cannibalism movie. And I thought it was going to be a bigger thing in the movie. What I was really surprised about was how much of a religious aspect it was to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that that was kind of surprising. I was like, oh, this is, I figured it would gonna be, it was going to be kind of a, I was expecting kind of, not not like crazy gruesome, but I was expecting to be kind of like a a body horror kind of aspect to it Mm -hmm. all and it really and truly wasn't like it was as as subtly and carefully as you could handle the topic it seems like they did it was interesting how they kind of brought it into like they that was the debate they were having was it was more of a well does god want us to do this and is it like is this not like a perversion of communion or something like that and i thought that was kind of interesting i was like oh i that part I actually did not expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go too much deeper, we should get to Dennis's take on this. Well, I just had a quick question. Anybody uh, read the book or no? I have not read the book. I haven't. Have you? I no, I just was curious how accurate and how things were. And was this, was there ever a disagreement about how things went or were they all kind of in agreement? And, you know, well, I know. The real really Nando was a technical consultant on the film, so you hope they got most of it right. Yeah. The only thing I remember hearing about the book from, from any of the stuff that I read was that the criticism of the book was that it went into, people felt like it might have gone into too much detail about the eating of the, dis- mm. of, of the deceased. Okay. But no, I have not read it myself. All right. No, it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, because one of the, whenever you have survivor stories or things like that, sometimes it's always like, it, this would have been, I'm not saying that this is how it should have happened, but I'm saying just think if there would have only been like one or two survivors right. and all these people sure. died and it was three, like it, it could be an interesting, like, did, is that really what happened? And how did you survive? Like, cause, cause you can see some of the potential, they don't really like, go into it here but i mean i i remember thinking like initially was this going to be where people turn on each other like you think of like you know if it's a matter of survival and best way to survive and you start to run out of meat and you're used to eating other people at some point do you start to go well i'm getting weaker <laughs> you're going to be eating me soon so yeah. what i'm going to do is off somebody you know like you start to think we can go into a darker place i think maybe that's tainted by the whole issue of like the walking dead you know, mm-hmm. you know, because in Walking Dead, it, it tends to 
point towards man's sort of worst in their quest for survival versus their best. And do you mm-hmm. lose that humanity and do you survive at all costs and do things that you would regret? So it doesn't, I, I think there's like other movies that have kind of diet, dove into that a little bit deeper. So if the book goes into the whole eating part, I mean. Hey guys, it, I'm going to bed with eight toes and if I wake up with seven, I'm going to be really upset. Well, you wonder, just suspicious. <laughs> I mean, luckily they were a team. What if this was not a team? You know, what if this was a bunch of strangers? Right. Yeah. Um, right. So many different ways this could have turned where you're going to be much, much more reluctant to turn on a teammate or your family that's there. In fact, they're very guarded about member eating. I think his sister. And it's like that whole concept of just, it, it might be interesting to see what is in the book about how that, how that went down because it was a bigger decision because they weren't just eating strangers. They were eating family member and friends and teammates. And I could see how that could be a bigger part of the book. Well, yeah. and, and kind of the awkwardness of the one guy realizing that he might be dying soon. So he's like, hey, if I die, you guys have permission to eat me. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. I would have done. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's it's funny, Dennis. I As as per usual, after you get done saying something, I have like a, a, like a bunch of thoughts. But I mean, it's funny because what you're describing, the way I remember that book in the, the heart of the ocean they explore a lot of that when it's like three or four dudes sitting in a lifeboat and they go through those things and they aren't necessarily like comrades. Right. And so it's just like, okay, the first person that dies and then, well, does the person let themselves die or, you know, do you know what I'm saying? They start eyeing each other just as the hunger sits in and they became, they, they describe it becoming more animal. And, and that was my first thought. My second thought was, I, I know, you know, obviously you're into movies and, you have either done some writing or your, your, your goal someday is to write a screenplay. And I know that you like horror and it's very fascinating for me to hear you talk and almost kind of like it's in my mind, hearing you speak, it's almost like you're coming up with an idea for a story. And it's cool because, you know, I'm always fascinated with the, okay, based on a true story, based around a true story, inspired by like, there's different levels of, how accurate a movie is to the source material and what you're describing is to me is, is fascinating hearing you talk because it's like, okay, you're taking a real incident and then letting it inspire another story. Hey, what happens if they're not just what you were describing? And I'm just sitting here thinking like, man, that'd be a cool movie. Well, and I think part of this movie, the way they, the way fascinating, I think part of it, the way they started this off, I, I will say that I did not think that way when I first saw this back on VHS when it first came out or within the first couple of years of it coming out on VHS, we saw it. You know, at that age, I really didn't think that way, I think. I thought more of like my baseball team. I thought about like, if this were to happen. But I think what started me when I rewatched it this last week was that maybe it's John Malkovich. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's what just gets you in that kind of creepier mindset where I'm just thinking the way he's talking. I'm thinking, is this the lones? I don't remember how many, I didn't look it up again, like how many survived. I'm thinking, what if he was the only survivor and what really happened? And did you really survive that way? Was that how it all went down? Or were you somebody who was just the quickest to get everybody else so that you had the most food, survive the longest, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just started like, it's, it's a, I blame it on John Malkovich. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely sets a tone. It sets a tone. He's so serious, you know? It's an interesting, like the way they start and end with it, almost like this is the way it went down. And then, but there's so many people who survived that there would have been some argument about if things went differently. That's why I was just curious right. what dove into, if there were any disagreements, Hey, that's not what happened. Cause some people are portrayed as, you know, for lack of a better word, cowards or not, maybe not cowards, but 
what would it, what would you, what that panic? Like, uh, I don't think coward's a fair word, but you get what I'm saying. Some people were like, Hey, this, we stay focused, we survive. And other people are the ones who just like, kind of like, no, it's all we're doomed. I, I think of yeah. just that, that type of thing. People gave up easily. Yeah. People who are emotionally broken earlier. So I get weaker. Maybe that would be the better word instead of coward weaker. And, defeatist. And, what? Defeatist. Yeah. yeah. Defeatist and weaker in their, in their quest for survival where other yeah. people are like, no, we're doing this. This is going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apart from the cannibalism, which, like we've said, is, is not a huge part of the story, what about the, the whole idea of it as a survival movie, like a, a survival and rescue movie? Where does it, how does it work within that? I, I know before we started, or as we started recording, we did say a couple different ways. Some of it, the plane crash part was a little, Bo, I think you even said you, you almost tried not to laugh out loud during the plane crash because it seemed, just the visuals seemed a little... I don't know, somewhat campy or goofy the way it was filmed. But as a survival movie in and of itself, how did that part work for you? And Pat, you were, I, you were I was, about to say something, so. Yeah, I was, but I, I, I want to be careful I didn't cut across anybody. Uh, but well, if, you, I, if you do, just cut off the good parts. I was just, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. So... I was really torn with this movie, kind of like, well, which direction is it going? Because, yeah, the plane crash definitely grabbed my attention, right? I mean, that was, I'll just say it is over the top. I'm not going to assign judgment. I'm not going to yuck someone else's yum. Dark meat, white meat, whatever you all like to eat, human, chicken, whatever. I'm not going to judge. Some of our listeners are going to have a really hard time stomaching a lot of this. I am just going to say, though, the plane crash was over the top. And then it was just like, man, that's, that's pretty intense. And then there was the sadness because, you know, people were dying. And then there was, and I'm going to quote the greatest generation when I say this, but there was actually a legit solitary double reed woodwind instrument of cannibalism when they actually made the decision to eat, eat their fellow, eat their fellows. Yeah. But then there was a side of this movie where the soundtrack was very full and lush and orchestral. And it was like, look at these vistas. We're up here. We're men. I love you, man. I mean, it was like, look at this adventure we're on and we're going to do great things. And it was like, okay, well now hold on a second. We just had a plane crash. We just lost a couple dozen people. People are dying. But now we're kind of like, now it's the vibe of, Hey, we're on this adventure. And that's when I kind of, I tend to like the happy ending movies. And so I'm like, okay, I'm into this. It was almost like, like a Robinson Crusoe-esque, how are we going to survive? And they're lashing bits of the plane together and they're, they've got a plan and we're going to fix the radio. And if that doesn't work, we're going to do this. And we're going to, you know, but then there was, then it, then it would kind of swing back and then there'd be some dark stuff. And, it, and again, I could imagine that if they're, okay, they're trying to tell the story like, they're real positive. Okay. They're negative. They're probably like in the course of this traumatic event, but I just felt like, especially with the music that I was listening to, I'm like, I'm not sure what kind of a movie I'm supposed to be watching. Like, how should I be feeling about this? Are we on this adventure or are we in this incredibly traumatic uh, situation? And even right up until the ending, I kind of felt like, 
boy, that's not the music that you play when you're finally rescued, when three quarters of the people all died. That's the music that you play if the story is, hey, we all got through. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like it should be more somber. But then when they went to the credit music and they're playing that version of the Ave Maria, suddenly I felt like, okay, that was kind of the tone that I was expecting. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. that was the tone yeah. that I was expecting throughout, but the music was very triumphant and, and epic. And so there were parts of it that I very much liked. I liked the whole idea of, Hey, how are we going to survive up here? And we're going to send these guys out and you know, well, what happens? Well, I'm just going to keep walking. Like I'm going to die walking. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to sit there and wait for it, which I could totally understand. But then there was all this death and sadness. And again, an incredibly traumatic event, but not much was spared for the emotions surrounding that. So I, I was, and and again, I'm not going to judge the movie. I I can, but I'm trying not to. I, I just, you just yeah. spent the last three minutes. No. <laughs> I, I know. I know. But hey, I will say I'm glad that you said that first that you talked about the music because I think watching this, this was probably one of those movies that, and I, and I agree, the mix was weird. It And when you when you said it was R-rated, I was almost yeah. like, it felt like I would find this partially in the, in the family section for Disney films, like at their library. Yeah. Like yeah. the music and the kind of like, yeah. what's that one out there with the, with the dogs and all that. There was a certain yeah, vibe incredible with, journey. Yeah. So the, and there's yeah. the other one with the snow dogs. So I with think snow dogs. Oh, it's called um, snow dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. just this weird mix that it's exactly what you said. It's a serious subject. And, and I think that the music threw me out of this a lot where I just kept saying my thought throughout this entire movie when I was watching it this time, not the first time I saw it. I can't remember back then. You know, I was trying to think back then. It's been like eating me this whole time. Like, how did I respond back then? And I'm like, but, uh, but the, the, the things I kept thinking was this would be a movie that would be a great movie to remake. Like, I'd like to see a redone version of this now with a better soundtrack, with even some better actors and acting. And I'm not saying that the actors were all bad, but some of the lines were really cheesy. It, it, was, ah. it was, it was, there was just a lot of, stuff that brought me out of, like you said, the dark, somber thing of like, what are you doing in survival? I think there should have been a lot less sound in music because sometimes less is more in here. And if you're out, when you're out in the middle of the, you know, like a snowy environment like that, I think music makes me think of like skiing and adventure. And like you said, Robinson Crusoe, and I felt like this should have been desolate. This should have yes. been a feeling of, of, of despair and desolate that you have con- you have been challenged so much here that literally you are going into the darkest steps to have to eat another human to survive. And the music should have reflected that. And I feel like from a score perspective on its own, whatever, the music's beautiful, but like didn't match this music. This, I would, this is like, if I, I almost feel like I would have put some of these scenes in and like where I kind of would do it in my class where I would play different music to see how the mood changes. Yeah. I would be this like perfect lesson where I don't think it really works in most cases, Ave Maria, like you said, might be the only better, you know, like, like there was a little, a little bit more serious tone at the end, but you just came back from all this, you know, interesting, like weird sweeping grand you know, skiing down the, I, I don't know that I'd be skiing down and like in the things that woohoo and everybody's like excited. I, I don't, there was just a weird sort of, it was, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that because there, I, the exact same thought was when I heard some of the music and I, there were the scenes of them celebrating and sledding down the hill and all that other stuff, I'm like, is this, wait, hold on. 
is this a Disney? Is this a kids movie? Is this a, because yeah, other than the cannibalism, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking with some of these scenes and exactly the music. The music in certain scenes really kind of took me out of the wait. What are the stakes here? Because mm-hmm. oh, that wasn't even a pun. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a bad one. I, yeah, and it's and it sort of seemed like the decision. I mean, I would think that again. I don't know if you're getting to that question. Would we? I think you have that in the questions, don't you? About like, what would we do? Would we resort to that yeah. type of thing? Yeah. But I'm just thinking that regardless of your answer, yes or no, that it seemed like they came to it. Okay, there was the flipping joke, you know, first of like, oh, I'd eat them. They got, they're the pilots. They got us into this type of thing. Yeah. And then there was, hey, like he really said that, hey, maybe we should do it. It seemed like there wasn't a bigger, there would have been a much longer, slower moral dilemma to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you would have almost gotten to where you were literally starving. You're like, you know what? we need to do this. And, and you're crossing that bridge and there would be dissenters who would not uh, in a, in a more vocal way, maybe. Right. And they brought up some religious aspects and things like that. And they talked about the soul, but it, it seemed too shallow and too quick to be like, all right, yep, let's chow down. Yeah. In my, for at least for my take where I think there could have been more drama built around that. And like you said, the title and hearing that you almost expect that. And then it sort of seemed like they made the decision relatively quick and then boom, they were right. Like, I didn't feel like they exhausted all of their means yet. Right. And I had a question. I, I, I remember what I remember saying this, unless I missed a scene somewhere. I don't know, but they had matches for cigarettes. Why was there no attempt to start a fire? Cause then the, yeah. you would see smoke rising up and then planes that are swirling, swirling by, but they were definitely kept smoking and you had seats, you had stuff that were there. There was materials from the plane that you could have easily started a big bonfire, yeah. some sort of fire to start to like, again, create this big, huge, you know. I thought the exact same thing. And I just kept saying 15 minutes and why aren't you going to a fire right away? Because they're going to be looking for you in the first 24 to 48 hours because you didn't arrive at your location. So you're going to have planes out there, get that fire going, and that's your best bet. You know, I don't know. So I just thought that, and I wondered if that was ever explained why they didn't attempt. Unless they didn't think they had anything they could burn until they found that money later because then they eventually do start a fire. But, yeah, I – Close, I wondered about anything, that. You know, there's got to be so many things in that plane that like that were there, debris that would have been there, I would have thought. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. And then do you take, I don't know if they really were taking the, the clothes off the other people where you're thinking layers. I don't know. I just, as the movie's going on, I just start thinking, I, I think the survive, I've, I've always been intrigued by survival stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we all say hypothetical, what are we going to do? And I feel like I would, again, not, not being cocky in this case but i'm just saying that my mindset of that there's always a way there's always a way and and i feel like i would be like i'm sitting there watching the movie thinking all these things they could have done why didn't they build snow around the plane to kind of insulate it almost like an igloo to keep yourself warmer at night you know consider how far away you were from the the mountains and stuff would, would somebody stay at walking well, avalanche possibility like i was saying that before the avalanche scene even happened i don't remember it from back then and i was just thinking how close are you to where you're going to get affected by maybe an avalanche or right. you know where are you at and you know anyway yeah. but i'd love to see a new version of this i, I would that would be kind of cool even though you know the story, because the story is gripping. There's no doubt about it. I just think it was not not as executed as well as it could have been to get the most emotional impact or dilemma making choices about what they really had to do. Right. I think you get David Cronenberg to do the the updated version. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. A little, a little body horror action there. The irony was, and I had not watched this movie. Yeah, I... I had I watched it before? No. So earlier this week, 
prior to also watching this movie, so I, I'm on a bit of a theme right now. I also watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time. Oh. That's the first? Yeah, I had not seen it before. I thought I had, That's but I had not. Shocked because your high school and kind of college years, I would have thought that would have been a definite with your. I, I would have thought so too, but no, low budget indie sort of film. The way it yeah. made is just just watching it for that reason alone was yeah. like super interesting. Yeah, no. So that I first watched it for the first time just not that long ago, but yeah. So I'm I'm on a bit of a. I feel like I need to go watch some family movies. <laughs> I, think I, I think I've. I, I, I bit off more than I could chew with some of these movies. Hey, Pat. You need something you can sink your teeth into? Yes, exactly. Oh, hey, Pat, do you, oh, know what a, do you know what a cannibal's favorite type of shampoo is? <laughs> what is that? It's head and shoulders. Oh, oh son of a gun. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. How do you help a cannibal That's out? Pretty... I'm thinking too hard. What? Yeah, you give him a hand. <laughs> yeah, Okay. 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 Yes, you do. Yeah. All right. Um, to get back to get back to the movie, <laughs> I would just like to say that Dennis, I'm going to jump off one of your comments too, where you said some of the dialogue. There was some of the dialogue that just kind of seemed like, is this how people really speak? You know, I, I just, it, and I think your point that you put much more eloquently than I would, of you'd like to see a remake just to see. Hey, can we get a little bit more emotional impact or a little bit more reality? Like, I, I yeah. just, I got tripped up a little bit on some of the dialogue, seemed a little bit overly melodramatic, a little bit overly flowery. And again, I, th I think that really works if you're making like a Disney family adventure movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, I love Ethan Hawke, but I'm just telling you, nowadays, who would you put? I would probably first cast, like, Kevin Bacon, maybe Barry Pepper. I wish John Candy was alive. Jerry Rice. <laughs> maybe Meatloaf, because he used to act, too. That would be a good one. There you go. Mr. Loaf. Well, you, you Brie, Larson could, Brie Larson could play the sister. You know they're going to eat Meatloaf Or Fiona first. Apple, maybe. Fiona Apple would be a good one as a sister. Oh, I, I see what you did there. We've got Meatloaf and Fiona Apple and... Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yep, I, I see what you Barry, did there. I love Barry Pepper, man. I, I see what you did there. I'd have a little Barry Pepper with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I really appreciate this episode. I appreciate it. Yeah. On a level. On a level. That's all I'll say. I appreciate this episode on a level. I, I, I was worried that it was all going to be gone, but... Back on the menu, boys. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else before we jump into three questions? Oh, man. I Here's the one thing. Honestly, if they were going to do a remake of this, I would really like to, I'd really appreciate seeing, I don't know, some actors that maybe are South American playing the roles. Yeah. That, that was that problematic. Would be, that would be super cool. I thought about the whitewashing a little bit. Yeah. So that would be super cool. I mean, that, you know, 1993, yeah. but. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not I, much else to say there. I, I, I kind of <laughs> had to pretend that they were just like a, a foreign exchange rugby team. <laughs> they were. They brought in some ringers. Yeah. You know the United I mean? States was traveling across to go. Right. It's It's like when the American basketball players go play for like, Croatia or somewhere like that because 
their mother's second cousin was Croatian. Right. Those type of things. Right. Well, and again, for me, it comes back to, and I like to call out historical inaccuracies with movies as much as the next person. But I think I've really kind of gotten my mind open up to the idea of, hey, this movie is based on true events or this movie is inspired by actual events. And I mean, if you were going to, to do that, then I think, you know, you could say, I mean, you could set it with whatever you want, as long as you don't, do you know what I'm saying? Like you could set it with American based on that and set it with an American team. And set it with an American team and just claiming it it was based on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in defense of, in defense of, and again, not in defense of like whether that was necessarily right or wrong. It's like, again, you go back and you judge things and we say, well, Here's the thing. I think that back then also you did not have the a plethora of, of, of kind of indie films or films with like cast that didn't have big names like that, that you know, there's, there was a distribution outlet and that there's a distribution outlet that was not there back then. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that you needed big names in there. And yes, could you have gone to say me, were there some bigger, I don't know. I would have to think of back then who would, who would do it. Did they turn it down? Were they offered it? Were they young enough to be college kids? Did you know enough college famous actors of that descent? You know, I, I think that might have been it. And you're looking probably at Ethan Hawke coming off some big, some decent roles and Dead Poet Society and things like that. He was a name. The only thing is there's not a whole lot of other big names really in there, is there? It was not pretty really. much, yeah. that was Ethan Hawke. And I always wondered who they sold it on. So it's not like a huge, huge cast, right. but maybe a, a group of lesser name, lesser known names, you know, maybe that film doesn't get made then. So in other words, so like you need to have a big name. You gotta have, a, there's always like, gotta have a star, gotta have a star because people get sure. drawn star so i wonder if that's the case where studio money was limited and doesn't make it right it just might explain why it wasn't made with a different cast that you can blame that as the powers that be who are saying like we're not going to take a chance on a cast that's not known because we're going to throw this money at this movie and people don't know who's going to come out to see this movie right. at least we got ethan hawk he's a big name people know that name people love ethan hawk young people love that whatever it's like unfortunately that, that's that's the business side of it yeah. Mm-hmm. But nowadays you can make that, you know, you could, uh, there's probably no reason not to, cause it'll at least find its audience and, and, you know, you get distributed that way. Yeah. Well, important things to think about food for thought. He asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Three questions. Question number one. If you were stranded somewhere and the only way to survive was cannibalism, do you think you could do it? Mm. I I think mm. I think my answer is if I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yes, absolutely. But I feel like my answer is if I felt like there was a still a hope of being rescued, possibly. But if it was that I knew I was not gonna get rescued and it was just to prolong my life, no, I wouldn't do that. But 
if there was no hope at all, then forget it. If there was hope, I don't know. That's my non-answer answer. I'm going to echo that. I think it does somewhat have to do with your 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 chances of getting out. Like if prolonging life for another two weeks means you're going to get home, I think you do a lot yeah. that you wouldn't normally do. I think that's just human nature. Now, I think we asked this before we started recording for the vegans here in the crowd. Do you plant based? Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you eat more of a plant based person? I mean, if if is there a vegetarian on the plane that you eat them first, or? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to get into the moral quandary of this whole thing. Uh, I'm letting pass. I'm letting pass. I, I, I can't. Hey guys, I can't eat the person burger tonight, but like if you've got any like plant substitute, if you have any human made from soy product, I'll I'll jump on that and I'll I'll share. I'll share. That's all about the soylent green. Yes. Yeah, so it like, got so it's made of people. And are you are you deferring, Dennis? Are you are you gonna are you gonna let me go? Or are you gonna I'm letting uh, you, I'm letting you go first. I'm letting you go. I I always say that these questions I I think it's really hard to answer any of these questions unless you're in that moment. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I always think that it's, you know, and to answer a question with any certainty when you're not in that, I think kind of borders on the, the arrogant. Do you know what I'm saying? Which I, I, I don't, guys, I don't know if it's that. Cause you can, I think it's, we all understand the fact that it's, yeah, you're not, you don't know what you would do till you, till you're in those shoes, but having watched yeah. this movie, having thought about it, having had John give you that question, you would have had time to ponder of what yeah. you think you would want yourself to do. So if you flash into the future and you're in the same situation, what does Patrick want Patrick to do? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Okay. I mean, I, I really, and what would be the, could, could I ask the reason I that just, goes for all three, all of you guys, I guess. Yeah. For me, just the idea of eating another human being really, I, I mean, I know this is going to sound lame, but it, it turns the stomach in a way that it, it just kind of like, it's like my digestive system just like shuts down. Like I, I couldn't even imagine doing it. I mean, even, and, and, I'm not trying to signal anything because I am like a live and let live kind of guy, but without going into too much detail, some people I ask cause I eat more, I eat vegetarian now and people say, well, do you ever want to try, do you know, or do you ever feel like cheating? And they frame it like that. And honestly, for me, my tastes have changed enough that like certain kinds of meat, like I just have like no taste for it. Do you know what I'm saying? And I've, I've, I've tried like, yeah, and it just, so the thought of eating a human being, I honestly don't think I could get something down. Again, this is all with the caveat of I'm not in that situation. I'm sitting in a warm, comfortable house with plenty of food and all that kind of stuff. So I, I would not. And now that whole idea of, you know, like you brought up the interesting question, well, man, if that's going to get you the two more weeks to get rescued or slash prolong, I mean, that's a really interesting thought. And I, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. Like that makes all the sense in the world. But my mind would turn to something like that, like James Kirk, I don't believe in the no-win scenario. And my question is, okay, well, when you were all relatively healthy because the plane had just crashed and you had provisions, why are we sitting around? Like, I'm not a sit-around kind of guy. And Dennis, this from cross-country, you go set up the course, and how long do you have before I start calling? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, seriously, what you have maybe, maybe 45 seconds before I'm like, Hey Dennis, what's the update? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't sit around well. I don't wait well. So it's kind of like, okay, why are we sitting around? Let's say three people. You're going to head that way. What is your job? You're going to try and find food or try and find the road or try and find help or try and find whatever. And so while we're all sitting here, well, maybe we should hunker down and wait to be rescued. Okay. But how long are we going to do that before law of diminishing returns? We're just spending energy. They made it over the mountain. Let's, do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I just, before it came to that, and you're saying what's depicted in the movie for me, before it came to that, okay, let's try and go find food. You know, let's try and just get rescued. And I, I think we say that you're never sure of what, what the human body is capable of and what you're capable of. And you're right. Until I'm in that situation, but like the stuff that I'm reading, the stuff that I'm trying to process and incorporate into my life is you, you really, have no idea what your limits are until you absolutely push to them. So the whole thing, oh, we're out of energy. We can't make it up and over the mountain. Well, then I'm just going to crawl and drag myself over the mountain until I get help. Like I, that's the test right there. How far can I go? And I, and again, someone might turn around and say, well, yeah, how far can you go? Will you take this to survive to maybe help your friends? And I, I, I just, I don't know if I could do that. I, you know, it just, the thought of it, the, the idea of eating another human, that it just, I, I could not do that. I wouldn't judge. I mean, if you were sitting right next to me in the plane, as long as you didn't try to come after me when I nodded off, like, I'm not going to sit there and tell you how to get by. But it, for me, yeah, I, I, judging right now, not sitting there when I'm actually at the point of starvation and, you know, your brain starts to recess and, and again, I'm, I'm pretty affected by that book I read about it, but, you know, the heart of the ocean where they're all sitting in the lifeboat, just hearing what that, what they went through as that started to happen. Yeah. I, I, I'd want no, I'd want no part of that. I'd be like, Hey, give me my square of chocolate. Give me my, my wine. I'm going over the mountain. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to keep walking. I'll, I'll come back with the helicopters, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could do that that's probably the same answer for me that I just, I just the idea of eating another person just, uh, that I don't know. I just not something I could do unless the situation was as dire as it could possibly be. And that there was a chance for survival and rescue. Yeah. And especially because there's no, we didn't have any sauces or condiments or anything like that. So I'm surprised to go with that. Right. I mean, if, if we're talking straight up Uruguayan sushi here, yeah. you know, that's, there's, they, they didn't even have seaweed. So like raw too. I think they could I use know. those matches to start a fire and at least cook it. That's the whole thing. I mean, you're talking about matches to start a fire to get rescued. I mean, that's, I, you'd at least cook some of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, if you're eating Antonio jerky, then at the very least you want to maybe cook a little bit of it. And, and here's, here's my deepest fear right now is that someone's going to be listening to this. It was like a survivor that had to eat someone. And I'm just well, like, okay, I just totally judged. And I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Hey, you do, you do, you, you got to do what you got to do. Pat, in that we situation, be, in that situation, you have literally yucked someone's yum. You'd be I, judging I, me. Pardon me. I said, you'd be judging me. 
Oh, you, you had to eat someone to survive? So, so yeah, so my answer for this is it, there's a lot of factors here again. As John said, if I have internal bleeding, if I'm bleeding out and I know that I'm death is imminent, why would I try to survive another week if I know that I'm dying out here? I'm literally dying. Or, or like if, if the I faculty have, meeting went an hour and 15 minutes long. That's what you yeah, start. There you go. <laughs> if, but if I, have, if I have all my physical and mental capabilities and there's other people depending on me, whether it's there or back at home, kids, children, I think of those factors. I think the drive to survive and that push to find a way, I don't know if I, I again, these, like you also pre- prefaced the Pat, this is all hypothetical. You don't know what you do till you're in it. But what do I think I would do based on my, I think, personality or ter- like the way I kind of like would approach things? Like you said, first of all, the, the kind of the leadership type of thing of like trying to find a way out, first of all, keep keeping people because one of my big pet peeves is when people panic. So panic is I've never for whatever reason, I don't know. And, it, you know, when I was a kid who was afraid of everything when I was a little kid because you know, my parents would show me all these movies and somewhere I came through a process where like everything was like maybe being forced with all those demons. It's like somehow you come on the other end of things and you're always like, there's always a way. And if I do, how am I going to handle this if I'm in these, these situations? So again, I don't want it to be, I think you use the word arrogant to think like, oh, I would be this guy who would, I just know that I think that I would keep on trying to find a way. And again, if I have children for me waiting at back at home, if I have people there who are going to die without an option, I'm going to keep trying to find a way out of this. I'm not going to just throw in the towel and give up. And like you said, you crawl up that mountain, you exhaust all means as much as you can. Two more weeks, you say prolongs your life, but who knows? It might be 13 days. In the back of my mind, I would be thinking on day 13 is when that, that rescue party comes. You know, I'm going to make sure that I go as long as I possibly can to survive. Also, am I 100? Am I 90? Am I 80? That might be a factor too. Or am I 20? I think age factors in. Did I live a full life? Yeah. All right. Well, this is the way I'm going. I'm not, then you might not cross that line. But I think in my prime mode of survival as a younger man with family and friends and, 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 and children and everything else, I think I'm going to do whatever I can. The fact is, would, would I murder anybody for that? No, that that's a line you never would cross. So that's off. That's literally off the table. The 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 dead body, though, that's already dead. I believe in the fact that, like, again, that soul is not in that body. What would that person want me to like? It's it to me, it's just like a dead animal. If you cross that line and eat a dead animal, and I know people might take umbrage with that. Oh, it's not a dead animal. It's a dead human person. You know, I, I get that, but at that point, we're all just meat. Um, in my opinion. And again, I'm not sitting there saying I would be like, let's dive in. It would be literally the last, last, last resort. But if I was mm-hmm. pushed that far, I could see myself doing that, especially if it meant being able to save other people, not mm-hmm. just myself. If I'm the only person there. Maybe I don't do that. If I don't have family, maybe I don't do that. I think I probably wouldn't. But if, if I, it's getting back to see my kids, if it's getting back, to save other people, to get a search party out there. And that's going to give me the strength to get over that mountain. I'm going to have that in my backpack, just in case, just in case I come that close and fatigue is setting in. And it means me getting to that, that town to get the rescue party, to save those people. I think my personality would be, I, I, I could see myself doing it. Wouldn't enjoy it. Would feel bad about that. Probably the rest of my life to a certain degree it would be something that would take a toll, you know, but at the same time, is this, was it the greater good to do? And, and again, I'm not killing anybody. They were already dead. There was a, there was a resource there. 
that it's like you know is it is it is it really much different i don't know i, I guess maybe it's a bad analysis but i'm thinking like an organ donor mm-hmm. somebody gets another organ donor and they're using that person's liver or that kidney or that heart when that allows them to be a grandfather or, or a father for another 20 30 years of their kids they're taking another human part they're not eating it but they're using it they're consuming it basically in a way I don't know. So it's just a, it's definitely a deeper thought process that I think that if push came to shove, I would, I am my, I am my like layer of also as the vegan part of it, I go through and I think I've talked to Pat, like what's first on the list. Obviously if there's no plants or animals, you're in that type of environment. And then I'm looking for fish would be the first to go. And then from fish, it goes to smaller rodents and I kind of work my way up and it doesn't mean that the value of those is necessarily greater. It's just, that's how I would probably process it. And obviously human, human flesh would be at the very, very far end of that. Barely. It's not even on the menu, mm-hmm. but at the point of survival, I might ask, Hey, do you have any, any of that back there in the kitchen? <laughs> Can I please have the flight of human appendages? I like to try to spleen. In the it would be interesting if me and Pat were on that plane and we survived because Pat's saying he would take the leadership role because he always calls me at 45 seconds and I'm there and I, John, I think you would be kind of saying, and you know what? Yeah, then you got too many, you know, you know what they say, too many cooks spoil. <laughs> well, and it's not so much a leadership role, but it's just a, Hey man, where are you at? It's like just the community. What, what are we doing? Like I don't sit still well, but you know, if you need like, Hey, we're an hour into it. We need to send someone over the mountain. I'm good. Like, send me. I'm good. So if people no, were just like panicky or lazy or not doing, they would just be eating you up. If people were, well, again, I'm yes. not going to judge, but I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm heading over the mountain. And had it been a bigger, more commercial type plane, you probably would have had at least some like finger sandwiches or something. I, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Uh, Anyway, question number two, the players kept mentioning pizza. What are your favorite non-traditional toppings on a pizza? And just in case anybody wanted to get hungry, I did drop a link in our little chat there for this website that had some ridiculously good-looking non-traditional pizzas. But what is your favorite? Like, not the it's not the typical sausage, pepperoni, you know, even like green peppers, onions, that kind of stuff. Is there anything that is would be your go to or something you haven't tried yet that you'd like to try what, what's a what's a combination that if you were going to go with a unique sounding pizza set of mm-hmm. toppings what would you go with liver sausage and kidney beans there you go broccoli and bacon pair that with a pair that with a nice chianti too yes yeah broccoli on the pizza that actually sounds really good i've, I've had broccoli on a pizza i think yeah really? so far it's been on there broccoli broccoli yeah. and bacon is really good Nice. Non-traditional. I there, mean, was I, I, place, well, there was a place. There was a place in. Uh, there was a place in I Champagne like when I was pizza. down in when I was down in Champagne for college. There was this pizza place called Antonio's that would do pizza by the slice, and it was really cheap. It was like a dollar twenty-five for a slice, and they had a broccoli and mac and cheese pizza. Mm-hmm. It was really good. I'm liking this spinach and artichoke dip pizza on that website. Yes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Butternut squash. That'd be yeah, interesting yeah. too. That one. Butternut chicken shawarma pita pizza. So my oh, no, my favorite. I'm done. Number oh. fourteen: French onion mushroom pizza. Oh, there you go. I'm out. Okay, that's it. Yeah, that'd be good. Bo slapped down Let's his go ten dollars right now. Bo slapped down his ten dollars, and he's out. 
<laughs> no longer the master of his pizza domain. Ooh, is, is there one with zucchini there? Let's see. Yeah, zucchini. Oh, been, yeah. That white zucchini oh, yeah. corn pizza looks actually pretty decent. I would love some. I, yeah, I the, will say, Bo, that when we went to go see the Greatest Generation show, that hot honey pizza was pretty good. I was. That was pretty good. My, I think my go-to that is a fairly non-traditional toppings would be silo pizza here pretty nearby. Yeah. And they have their sea. I know I've probably mentioned this one before when we've talked about pizza. They have their seafood pizza. Yes, and, they do. And that is the snow crab, pollock, shrimp, and white clam sauce. It is very, very tasty. It's something mm. else, that's for sure. The one with strawberry. It's, it's, almost, it's almost rich. Yes. Like with that clam sauce and everything, you're like, wow, that's yeah. a dense, rich pizza. It's I usually just get, normally I could eat more than that, but I usually just get either a, a small and eat half of it, or I get the personal pan and that's enough. Mm-hmm. The other ones that look really good on this list that I sent you guys was, there was one that was a brown butter lobster and spinach pizza. There you go. That one yeah. looked pretty tasty. The uh, zucchini and corn pizza, that one looked pretty good. And that strawberry one, too, would be kind of an interesting. I think of, like, I like the I pleasantly the surprised by the, the Hawaiian one with the pineapple with something sweet on it, so it would be interesting to see with a strawberry on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would be, I, I agree with you, that would be the most non-traditional. Is I, I typically don't mix the sweet fruits with, you know, even in salads and all that kind of stuff. I it, So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to grow that taste of having strawberries or, a good mandarin strawberry oranges. mandarin orange salad. Although you don't do well with sweets. Yeah, see, I don't do well with sweets. That's my problem. I like to have them for dessert. But um, you're right, the Hawaiian, the pineapple, the couple times I've had that, it's it adds a lot. It's it's well well done, well executed. So I'd be curious to see what like strawberry on the pizza would be like and Yeah, see I can't I can't get into the pineapple. Okay. I remember your your favorite one was that barbecue chicken at uh, hits, I think, wasn't it? Is that a go-to for you? Yeah, I would do that one sometimes. Yeah. I, I think my, my go-to now, my go-to now, like whenever I order, pizza. that's a good one. Whenever I order a pizza now, it is, what do I do? I do chicken, bacon, olives, and feta cheese. Mm. That's my combination. Huh. Interesting. It's good stuff. Sounds good. I do like a good, huh. I do like a good seafood pizza though. I'm looking at some of these on here. The last one on the list is is killing me here. Rotisserie chicken non-pizza with spinach, queso, fresco, and fire-roasted tomato mango chutney sauce. Oh, my goodness. Sure. And wow. I'm, so this has been the 30-something movie podcast. We'll pick up the next of uh, the three questions next time. John's going to grab his car yeah. keys, go find the ingredients for this. Yeah, no kidding. Onion pizza, jam pizza. is a very good pizza base. On a on a flatbread pizza, oh, okay. I I knew a guy. He has since left, and he's now in New York. But he had a little wood fired pizza business for a while, and he would make a breakfast pizza with an egg in the middle, onion jam as the base, cheese. He put some some mixed greens on it after it came out of the oven. Oh my god. I, Bo, I, Bo, I was worried you were going to say, I knew this guy, but I ate him, and he's not here anymore. <laughs> All right. No, I've eaten a lot of things in my day, but okay. people have never been on the menu. No, okay. All right. And then finally, question number three, where would be the worst place 
for you to be stranded? Mine is easy. Space. Oh, yeah. I, I have to have that. Because no one can hear you scream? It, well, no. It just I have that irrational, intense fear, all based on watching Space Camp as a small child, of just mm. being stranded and floating in space. Well, what's the uh, one with Sandra Bullock? Oh, yeah. the uh, yes. so Gravity? Gravity. Gravity. Yes, like that, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't go see that one in the theater. You didn't? <laughs> nope. You, wouldn't, you didn't see it? Nope. Really? Mm-mm. Okay. That was a good movie. That, yeah. that See, there, that captured that feeling of isolation or, or desolation and just yeah. like, just that, that, yeah, it was. Yeah, we, we watched the first episode of the new season of the For All Mankind, and there was a scene where a guy was kind of free-floating through space, and I'm like, nope. Not, not even me. That's this. John's this is, out. Does not even bother me because I wouldn't be getting in this situation to begin with. I saw that there, and I liked. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, there's so many choices with this one, but space is really a good one if I thought about it now. I, I, I was saying, kind. Of, I thought one of the impact on me was open water. Oh, and it was mm-hmm. the thing of uh, where the two scuba divers, based on a true story, you know, they miscounted when they came up. Boat takes off. You wait. You come up, and the boat's gone, and you're in the middle of the ocean. Yes. And it's cold, and they're shark infested waters. I think the the space one would be pretty bad, but I almost think because of the threat of potential sharks underneath the dark water, that would just be like, that would, that would be tough. Yeah. That would, I, that, that would be a tough one because you're, you, you're never, at least in space, you can kind of meditate a bit. Beautiful. <laughs> There's a beauty to that to a certain degree. Not that the ocean's not beautiful, but the dark depths of the ocean and being way out there with sharks, possibly like you're waiting for a bite at your foot, that anticipation of dread where the other one's just a bad situation. This one would be like constant torment. I could never relax. Oh, I, I think if I knew a shark was coming and if, if, if I had no chance for survival and I knew a shark was coming and swimming around me, I probably would just go head first into the water and just, you know, just drown yourself. No, no, just like ramming speed right into the shark's mouth. <laughs> Perhaps today is a good day to die. Get her. <laughs> yeah, get her. But that's but that's mid, middle of the middle of the ocean, open water, yeah. nowhere to go. Okay, uh, that would be it with very cold temperatures too. Okay. Some of it, John pointed out just some of these things tied to our irrational fears. I think if I was stuck on the top of something very high that I could not get out off of, because just that irrational fear of of height mm-hmm. would be terrible. I can't really come up with an exact scenario. Oh, you gotta watch like, the one. Did you see the one with, it was actually fairly decent. There's one where the, the two girls go up to do a, the, like a kind of dare, they climb one of the tallest towers in the area and they want to get a, like those type of people do that and they get the big shot at the, for their podcast or whatever, for their photos. Or yeah. Whatever. So there's these two girls and one convinces the other one to go up there. So they go up there and then the ladder breaks and they're stuck at the top and no one knows they're out there really. And like that, that if you, have you seen that or haven't seen it? I have not seen it, but I heard about it and I was like, <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> yeah. Pleasant, pleasantly a good movie. Like when I say, uh, like I, you know, like it, it, it gives you definitely that feeling, and uh, you will, yeah, you'll if that's your fear, you just oh, dive God, right into that I fear. I can't watch a movie where someone is near the edge of a really tall building without getting 
or having a visceral reaction. Just the thought of, oh god. <laughs> Let's see. You, you mentioned you mentioned two girls climbing a really tall tower to get photos for something or whatever, and I, I wanted to just point out, just because Jared Leto has long hair doesn't mean he's a girl. Hey now. <laughs> I mean, I still don't. Is is he on top of that tower or did he come down? <laughs> These are questions I cannot answer. Okay. I, did, you, did you hear about that, though, that he climbed up on top? Was it the Empire State Building? Yeah. yeah. We don't know. Do you know why? Did you ever – did they explain why? It had something to do with launching the, the his band's oh, world tour. Stunt. Yeah, that's what I thought was like a public, publicity stunt for yeah. the tour. Yeah. yeah. Smart move. Yeah. Well, um, what's his name? Climbed the Burj Khalifa. Who did? Cruz. Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And isn't there a Tom shot of Cruise. Will Smith up there too? Talk about something that gave me the heebie-jeebies. God, possibly. Yeah, there's no way. I'd way do that. too high for a person to be outside. No, nope. nope. That that'll come back when we. I think next week we're doing what's eating Gilbert Grape, and I think one of our questions will be, "What is the highest structure you'd be willing to climb?" <laughs> Not Does the Burj Khalifa. Foot ladder count. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it, I mean, not definitely not the Burj Khalifa. If you had like a this is Spinal Tap sized model of the Burj Khalifa, I'd climb that. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'd climb six inch Stonehenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like making a big deal out of it would be something. Yes. Yeah. My other follow up answer to this, my my like second backup answer is is a little bit more flippant. I said space, and that's the right answer. My my other flippant answer of where I would hate to be stranded would be, like, the middle of the stadium of, like, Alabama or Texas A&M <laughs> or somewhere like that. That's not where I'd want to be. Kansas yeah. with the stadium full and you can't leave and they're just talking and at just, you. And just Real surrounded. Job. Just surrounded. <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. Uh, I'd probably rather go drifting oh off in my. space. Oh boy! I I do want to point out there was one team whose name I did not mention, so that mm -hmm. was that was a favor to uh, our buddies. I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a peacemaker here. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my anyway, Pat, gosh. where would you hate to be stranded? Oh, so many places, John. So many GNC. places. <laughs> GVC. Yeah. GVC. Yeah. 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 A, a faculty Inside. a faculty meeting at two forty. Inside, yeah. away from you know, you, you know, you guys all gave like some really good serious answers. I, this is gonna sound ridiculous. I abhor being by the water and not able to get in. Like See, that, that was gonna I be met, my guess. My guess for you was gonna be something like a desert or somewhere where you're just completely away from any kind of water. Yeah, I think like that. That, and I mean, even even like, I don't know. The next time I'm end up stranded in the desert or whatever but i mean if we're like by a beach and it's like you're at some sort of a social function where swimming's not allowed yeah it's like oh really that just stinks i mean and i know that it was such a cool thing but, you know when they used to do the boat at where we worked at hawthorne they used to do the, the uh yeah. the party boat <laughs> It, it was okay once the sun went down, but if it was nice weather and the sun was up, I'd be looking out at the water and just be like, oh, man, I, I can't get in. Mm -hmm. What happens if I just jump in, hang out here, and then when the boat passes by, I hop back in? Can we have a, you know, so that one, uh, one kind of gets me. I don't know how I do in the desert. 
like if there's absolutely no water source. But uh, but yeah, that probably would be a struggle because come to think of it, I I I do. If there's not like even so much as like a pond or anything nearby, like sometimes you get inland and it it just there's there's no body of water. I get like. I get, a, I, I get a little, I get the heebie-jeebies. I get a little bit landlocked. Get a little verklempt. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, even, even if there's like a, a pool accessible, that works for me. Just a, a, some kind of liquid in a contained state that I can put myself into. Yeah. A, a back to tank. A, a back to tank would be great. There you go. A back to tank would be great. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of another spot that I'd be, because would you guys, yeah, you got space. No one can hear you scream. You know, Dennis was talking about the open ocean where the sharks are coming to get you. I mean, that's always, you know, that's one. That, that I think that would be, especially as we tell ourselves that we're at the top of the food chain and then you end up wandering into an area where nature, it's not that they're evil, terrible, vicious creatures, but it's just like, hey, that's just where they feed. You know, I think that would be, I think that would definitely be a challenge. So you realize the food chain doesn't matter when you're floating in space and it's come completely untethered and you're just going to float yeah. in blackness until you run out of oxygen. Right. Yes. Yes. That's exactly. my idea of a good time. I think, I think yeah. another one, another one might be like caves. Caves. Give me a, yeah. Yeah. You're stuck in a cave. Did you ever see the movie as above? So below. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it was the catacombs. Was that the catacombs? That was or the, or was the catacombs of Paris. Yeah. Yes. That was, yeah, that, that feeling is, yeah, that would be. So that's, that would, that would actually be my other one. So, and and they're complete opposites is the, the just black infinite emptiness of space would be one of them. The other one is really small confined spaces. And I, and I say that because there was this, there was a cave that you could kind of crawl through and walk through. And I remember this when I was a kid going into these caves because you could take like tours down in these caves and my, my dad loved to go do this. It was one of mm-hmm. my least favorite things to do because there were, and I was a kid, so I don't know how the adults did this. There were some pretty narrow spots. And anytime yeah. I see one of those movies where somebody goes into a cave or somebody goes, even that scene in aliens where Bishop gets in that tunnel and starts crawling through that pipe like that. No, thank you. Like any kind of a situation where I'm going to get almost completely confined like that, almost like to the point where you can't move your arms and you can't really do much of anything. And it, no, that. So the 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 mm-hmm. infinite emptiness of space and the little teeny tiny, like I'm gonna get wedged into something and no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you if, know, you're, if, you're, if you're like claustrophobic elevators, some people say, but I always feel like there's a way you can maybe get out of an elevator. Yeah, mm-hmm. climbing up the top, going up and dangerous, but like I don't feel it like it's completely confining. Speaking of, and it's a slight tangent, Dennis, you might be happy to know, I did terrify some of my family right before Halloween by showing them the movie Devil. Good. Oh, oh God. Oh, bloody that. heck. Yeah. I, Has everybody oh, seen that? No. No, I read the stinking, I read the synopsis of that, I and not. I had to stay, I had to stay yeah, awake for that a week. Right. Yeah, you, did. you read it, and you wouldn't touch it, you said, right? I, I couldn't sleep for a week. <laughs> I had to stay awake for a week with the lights on, and you know, I'm sleep deprived anyway. I was so panicked after just reading the synopsis on Wikipedia. No way I wouldn't. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I'm like Shyamalan, Sixth Sense, best film, but I'm like, The Devil is is a really one of those little gems of his that I feel like just, I love. Like, I love that. Yeah. 
Like I think well, it moves well, the pacing, it's very, it's, oh, yeah. it's a grand, amazing story that would no, but it's good. It's smart. And I think the, the, the way they tie things in with the ending, with the story, with the one the security guard guy, it's like, I mean, the whole, like, I don't want to give the rest away because it's worth watching, Pat. Someday when you get... Uh, I've read the synopsis. I know what happens. I think it's you know what happens at just, the end and everything. Yeah, okay, right. It was sounded great. All yeah. I know is my takeaway is this. You tell me you're going to possibly, you could eat to be a person. If it, I'll tell you, man, if the lights go down in the elevator, everyone's going down first. <laughs> See? <laughs> that's it. You did that's say it. that. I remember when you watched yeah, that, just, that's exactly what's happening. So that's it. eating people off that's of it. you. But yep, if you're in an elevator yep. stuck with Pat, doesn't matter if you're innocent, you're going down. <laughs> I feel yeah, like the Pat, I mean, Pat in an elevator where the lights have gone out turns into a, the problem is I'm not trapped in here with you. You're, you're trapped in here with me. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, in my in my mind, I'd like to be like Winter Captain America, Winter Soldier. Yeah, it kind of feels personal. Well, I don't, I don't, yeah. If anybody would like to get off, now's the time. Yeah, like you're you're meaning after one person. Okay, I, you're the lights go off. You're not just killing people. It's when somebody when the lights go back on and someone's dead. And now the lights go off again. That's when Pat's just taking everyone else out. Right. Yeah, but I've already seen the movie. So once the lights go down, I'm not waiting. I'm not going to wait around. <laughs> I told you, I told you, right? And if it's 45 seconds, I haven't heard. There should be the, I'd love to see the interrogation footage of Pat somewhere after this all happens. And they're like, what what made you go crazy and kill a bunch of people? And it was, well, dude, there's a synopsis. I read the synopsis and I'm telling you, that light goes on. I don't care if they're innocent. I got got to take them out. Like I got to take them out. What am I going to do? Officer, I read the Wikipedia page and then the lights went out. Here, watch okay. it. Look it up. Pull up anything. Tell me you wouldn't do that, officer. What do you do? All right. Hey. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is hands through the pocket, and then the hands came out I'm of just, the pocket. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying it was a hot day, and they upped the charges on the soda in the cafeteria, and then the lights went out. You're telling me I'm the bad guy? I'm the bad guy? Really? Okay, that's forget it. That's where I'm at. All right. Well, we've we've reached the point where we know that Pat is the race car in the red. Superfly TNT guns of the Navarone. Yeah, there's there's a, there's an ele- there's two elevators at the new apartment that I'm at here, and uh, if you ever come to visit Pat, make sure you go in one, I go in the other. I'll take I'll take the <laughs> yeah, stairs. No more elevator rides with uh-uh. Pat. Anytime I'm with Pat, it's going to be like, from now on, we go to an elevator, or it's like, oh, you, I'll, I'll wait for the next one. I'll take the next one. Yeah. I'll yeah. take the stairs. Hey, uh-huh. hey, hey when, when we went to New York, we stayed in, like, everything is big in New York, and I think we were on, like, the 104th floor. I climbed, I climbed the stairs every single day. I told the family, I'll see you in 15 minutes. I'm not getting in that elevator. And I just climbed wow. the stairs. I had to get to the top and take a nap, but... I'm just like, forget about it. I'm not getting in that elevator. Given the choice between 104 floors worth of stairs and an elevator that might have like something possessed in it, I'm taking the elevator. Me too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then I saw that thing with the practical joke where they put them dim the lights and then they have that kid sneak into the elevator and start screaming. Oh my God. Bless us all. I mean, if you do that, if you do that, where it's like some kind of a prank where somebody pops out of a panel and scares you, that person's getting knocked out. Yeah. That's not, yeah. That would be my knee jerk reaction. It's, 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 I'm quoting Pulp Fiction again. It's this kind of stuff that's going to bring the situation to a head. 
Yes. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, that was my takeaway. Yeah, maybe I got to watch it down. Now that I know what's going to happen, maybe I'll be ready. Yeah, you'll be fine. I don't know. You'll be fine. I'll have to I have to pick a time I don't need to sleep for a couple of days. But I mean, like, good. Pat, you've, you've, watched, you've watched so many other horror movies for this podcast over the years. I think you'll be fine at this point. Yeah. I, and possibly. I mean, you know, in a weird way, you feel good at the end, I think. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, think, I will. I will say that, like, and, and, and again, I know I cheated, and I'm sorry, everybody, I, I could get, but in reading the synopsis, and I'm not sure who's seen it and who hasn't on the pod, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but you're right, and I, I am a pretty big fan of M. Night Shyamalan stuff, and it is, it is really a compelling story. I mean, it is, it is very cool, you know, so maybe I'll build up the, yeah, yeah. you know. But again, I might be the bad guy. So if those lights go down, everybody just duck. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Alive episode. If you want to find more of our episodes, 30podcast.com is our website. Uh, we are on most of the social medias at 30podcast or some variation therein. We've got our next few episodes coming up. So December, like I said, is our Good Eaten month. We had our 500th anniversary. We've this time was Alive. Next time is What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Tombstone will be after that. Then Son-in-Law with Jason Colvin as our special Yay. guest from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Nightmare Before Christmas. And then sometime in there somewhere is Enter the Dragon from 1973. Oh. I am. So, Pat, I am. I It went on sale. So I keep. I keep like debating whether or not I'm going to run over to Best Buy and pick it up. The 4K version of enter the dragon is on sale for like 10 bucks at best buy that's so there's there's a little teeny tiny part of me that's like huh maybe that one and and the 4k of pulp fiction is 7.99 i think right now so there's there were a couple of possible you already own it right pulp fiction no, the dragon. Enter the dragon. No, I don't enter the. I don't own Enter the Dragon. Hey, Pat, but Pat. Oh, oh I'm yeah. sure Pat does. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna say. You, like you're saying, hey, it's ten bucks. I might go in there and get it now. Pat, if he saw it on sale for for ten bucks, I think he would go in there. He'd be like, no, you're taking twenty for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm. Yeah. No, I'm not, 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 not paying this for ten. Twenty. Yeah. yeah. Maybe thirty. Here's thirty dollars for this. Here's thirty. Here's. You don't charge. You don't charge ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why if, that's if I get the if I get the 4K if I were to go get the 4K version, it does come with a digital code. So if you need a digital version of it, and I'll let you know. Oh, but, awesome! So yeah, that's so we're gonna have that. Movie. That is the month of December. Our Patreons, our Patreon shorts are. It started in '93 with Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. It ended in '93, The Wonder Years, and then our Patreon main Patreon for December is Heart and Souls from 1993, and then that's December. So after that, in just a few weeks, we're going to be starting up with the brand new year. We'll be in 1994. And our first month, January of 1994, I don't have the Patreon shorts picked out for that yet, but our Patreon for Law and Order of the Month in January, our Patreon will be Seven Samurai. Oh, my goodness. And then the Law and Order movies for the rest of January will be Naked Gun 33 and a third, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 3, oh, The Getaway, the Chase and Wyatt Earp. Oh, so it'll be a fun start to the year. Yeah, well, a lot of threes in there. It, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I want to say there were several three movies that were going to be this year. I'm trying to think of what the other one might have been. 
but yeah, several several threes were in this year, and that was almost that was almost a month in and of itself was movies that had threes, like the third or the second sequel of something else. But yeah, the other thing about next year is I did have a like a whole slate of movies that would be coming out, movies we'd be doing for Patreon, like if they were movies that came out in 2024 or something like that. I may have to re-examine some of those because with the writers and actors strike that has pushed back a lot of the different release dates for these, Mm -hmm. I feel like I heard just the other day that Deadpool 3, which I had planned for us to do or for me to do as a Patreon short in May, I think I heard that it's possibly getting pushed back to 2025. And there's a few others. Like there was supposed to be an Alien movie coming out in the summer of 2024, and that might have gotten pushed back. So, you know, however those end up, there was the new Captain America movie was supposed to be September of 2024. I don't know if that's still the case. Beetlejuice 2 was supposed to be September of 2024. So we'll just have to see if with with new release schedules, things like that, we'll just have to see where things fall. But when some of those come out, we will we will cover some of them as best we can. So. Yeah. All right. Well, gents, as always, I know sometimes we, we leave the podcast and we comment on how we've talked about food and we're hungry and, but I don't know, I, this one, I'm, I'm a little torn on whether I should walk away from this podcast feeling hungry. So, a bit of an appetite suppressant topic bit, just, this evening. Just a bit, just a tad. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just go fix another drink or something. There you Maybe go. We could go get some chocolate. Because nobody's eating. The, that was the dumbest thing when they start celebrating and eating their entire supply of chocolate. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was what I was going to. Yes. Yeah. But I was going to bring that up, too. And we were talking about the, some of the silly parts. Yeah. It was like, again, that I think Pat and I would have like Pat would have lost his lost it. Like I would have lost it, too. Like the guy did lose it to his credit when he wakes up and he or comes. Up, he's like, who ate it? Who went to the. And they were like, oh, well, we're getting rescued in a couple of days. Yeah. Like. Like, yeah, that would have been, <laughs> I think Pat might've changed that at least the, the, maybe the killing of people at that point. That might, right. Have right. might not have ate them, but you would have killed them. Right. Me well, and I, 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 there's a moral line. <laughs> right. I actually, I actually have an audio clip of that section. I think it's right here. My chocolate. My beautiful chocolate. Yeah. It was, it was that part right there. Yeah. No. Oh man. All right. Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it. So everybody, thank you so much. Gents, for being here as always. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you, John. This is this is awesome, and thank you so much for putting it all together. And Bo, please extend to your brother thanks because he's able to help us get our hands on a lot of these movies to watch. And boy, that that just really is much appreciated. So, will do. Yeah, ah, I see awesome. what you did there. Will do. Yeah, there. Okay. All right. Well, a lot to digest here. So we're going to head on out now. Um, Uh Thank you so, so much, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Try not to eat your friends. And we'll see you back here next time.